0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast are three wonderful women, and the topic we're going to talk about is Heavenly Mother. These three women have uh, from an academic perspective and a spiritual perspective and a personal revelation perspective, have really helped um, others, themselves, and now us as listeners to learn more about Heavenly Mother. And um, they have done work at BYU. I've heard some of them present and I've followed their work on social media and really honored to have them on the podcast today to talk about Heavenly Mother. It really makes sense, I think, to have three women talking about Heavenly Mother and me, the host being male, kind of step out of the way and let these three women share what they've learned so we can all better understand. But to introduce these three women, two of the three women are here in my home and one is calling in. Um, the first woman that's here is Kayla Bach. Um, she is um, a BYU student. Um, she will graduate in April of 2020. Her major 2021. It, 2021. Um, her major is sociology with a minor in Global Women's Studies. Um, she's a return missionary from Santiago, Chile. She's a research assistant both in the BYU Religion Department and in the Maxwell Institute. And she's been married a year um, and grew up in Orange, California. Um, The second guest that's here in my home is Emily Peck. Emily is a BYU um, student also. She graduates in the fall of 2021. Her major is Middle East Studies and Arabic. And she grew up in Utah County. She served a mission in Berlin, Germany. My wife and I about a year ago went to Berlin. We love that city, Emily. She is single. She's a research assistant in the Maxwell Institute at BYU. And our third guest is calling in on the phone from Bentonville, Arkansas. And as many listeners know, they recognize that's Walmart's headquarters. And it is true, Charlotte Shirts. Um, has a job connecting with Walmart. She is working, um, um, and her profession is, tell us, a designer, is that right? Uh, or a proofreader? Um,
1: I'm a proofreader.
0: Yep. A, a proofreader and was working in the corporate offices of Walmart, but now, like all of us, they're kind of off-site, so she could probably be living anywhere. But um, Charlotte's been married about three years, and, um, Grew up in Arizona, served a mission in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She has a degree in English. She graduated in April of 2019 with a minor in professional writing and rhetoric. Um, anything I said from a bio that's not correct, ladies?
2: That's perfect. Sounds great.
0: So good, we'll do our best to help our listeners know who's speaking. You'll recognize my voice, obviously, but with three women on the podcast, I'll do my best to help you know who's speaking. Once again, Kayla Bach is here in my home. Emily Peck and Charlotte Shirts is calling in. So I have five questions that will just guide us through this discussion, and, and I don't even know all the right vocabulary when I refer to Heavenly Mother, so they will help me understand vocabulary, but I recognize I'm 59 in our church. This is a um, an opening or an awakening that I'm sensing is we're talking much more about Heavenly Mother, and I think there's a yearning to do that. and We just haven't quite known how to navigate that. Um, and so I love what's happening, and I love what we're going to learn on this podcast. So let's start with question number one. Um, what is the church's position on Heavenly Mother?
2: As we may know, the church published some gospel topics essays about five years ago, and one of the essays that they published was about Heavenly Mother. It's called Mother in Heaven. It's a beautiful essay that states kind of the official doctrinal position of the church about Heavenly Mother, and it shows the church's willingness to talk about her. Uh, Contrary to what we've many of us have been taught culturally, there is no mandated sacred silence surrounding Heavenly Mother. In fact, in 2011, BYU Studies published an article called A Mother There. It was done by Paulson and Polito, two researchers that were aided by a team of research assistants, and they reviewed over 600 official sources from church leaders talking about Heavenly Mother. And in all of those statements, they came to the conclusion that there is no official mandate against speaking about Heavenly Mother. It's entirely cultural. It is not doctrinal. And so we celebrate that authoritative approval that permits us to freely speak about our Divine Mother.
0: And does anybody else want to talk about the Church's position on Heavenly Mother?
2: Yeah,
1: this is Charlotte. I'd love to chime in. Um, so teaching about Heavenly Mother has been really important since the restoration of the church. Joseph Smith taught Zena Diantha Huntington Young. Um, she was a young woman at the time, and her mother had just died um, about Heavenly Mother. and Zena she moved and comforted when Joseph Smith taught her that she would that once she reached heaven, she would meet and become acquainted with her eternal mother, the wife of her father in heaven. Um, other early church leaders, including w. W. Phelps and Eliza R. Snow, wrote songs that mention mother in heaven. So Eliza R. Snow's song is now known today as Oh My Father, and that's in our current handbook and is probably one of the most uh, commonly used sources or most familiar sources that talks about Heavenly Mother. So from the very early days of the Restoration all the way to today, belief in Heavenly Mother has been a very important and comforting doctrine of the church.
3: And I think it's important to like recognize how
1: crucial that
3: doctrine is. Um, President Oak said, Our theology begins with Heavenly Parents and our highest aspirations is to become like them. And I think that just shows how vital that information is, that, we have a heavenly mother and that gives all of us, all of God's children, all the human beings on earth, that we are worth something to them.
0: Love all those thoughts. Other thoughts before we go to um, question number two.
2: I think that, I think that sums it up for us. I think anyone who's wondering where is heavenly mother in the church? <clears throat> I can find her in our doctrine, in our history, and in the words of many of our leaders. And for us, that's something we celebrate. Obviously, we, we haven't heard as much about her um, in, over the history of the church as, as we've heard about heavenly father uh, or other divine individuals like our savior, or the Holy Ghost. But this is something that we're hearing more about and we celebrate that increased dialogue and we think there are important reasons why we're hearing more about her and why we hope to hear more in the future.
0: Can anybody, this is a spontaneous question, but you reference the song, Oh My Father. I'm not sure I can get it right, but can anybody just re- let us know that line in the song, I have a mother there? Or yeah, so there's you a- know, Or maybe it's multiple points There's in a that couple of
2: references um, to Heavenly Mother in the song. One is truth is reason, truth eternal tells me I have a mother there. And that's in the third verse. And then in the fourth verse, they actually, the song actually addresses the father and the mother. And it says, father, mother, may I meet thee in thy royal courts on high. So it turns from a discussion of Heavenly Mother to a conversation with Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father.
0: Wow, thank you for... Do any do any of the three of you, when you hear those words, what do they mean to you? Does anybody have a comment on that?
3: I think it's just beautiful, especially in the third verse. Truth is recent, truth eternal. I have a mother there. I think, like that's one of that song is like one of the only, all well, the only hymn we have about Heavenly mother, and I think it's beautiful that it exists and. Um, that we can worship her in our church meetings. I think that is something that doesn't really exist right now is that conversation. But I think singing her on Sunday about her on Sunday is just a very beautiful practice.
0: I love that, Emily. And, you know, when we sing songs, we're worshiping, and so I love the word worship as part of that, and thank you for that insight. Um, I meant to do this at the beginning. We'll do this at the end. But Kayla, will you you have some um, a website and a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Will you just let our listeners know because. Um, they want to, may want to connect with your work.
2: Absolutely. So <clears throat> you can find us on the web at SeekingHeavenlyMother.com. So think of the verse, you know, seek, um, ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and ye shall find. That kind of is what inspired us. So SeekingHeavenlyMother.com. And then our Instagram and Facebook are both um, the at symbol, SeekingHeavenlyMother. And then on Twitter, you can find us at, at SeekFindNo.
0: Thank you. And we'll say those again, our listeners, and put that also in the podcast description if you want to look up the description. Let's go to question number two, which I love. Why does Heavenly Mother matter?
2: I think this is so, so important. This is really the heart and soul of what we're doing. So many of us may feel isolated, may feel rejected, We may have earthly families that are less than ideal or that turn away from us because of who we are or what we've done or where we're coming from. And we may feel that we don't have a team. We don't have a a group, a, a squad, if you will. And our heavenly parents are that team. We are part of a family. God is not a distant being. God is a familial concept where we have a father and a mother and an elder brother And we are all spirit siblings. We are all a part of a family that always embraces us as one of their own. And for us, knowing Heavenly Mother strengthens the idea that God is personal. God is invested in our lives. God is a mother. God is a father. God is a parent that cares about you, that embraces you, that walks beside you, that comforts you. And so, for us, knowing Heavenly Mother has made that divine relationship even more personal. And I don't, I can't imagine why the world wouldn't want another divine being on their team.
0: Love that. More thoughts on this question.
2: So,
1: on a very personal note, Heavenly Mother is really important to me because she, having a developing relationship with her, has helped me heal. I was sexually assaulted on my mission, and then church leaders and other missionaries used God as a Heavenly Father uh, to blame me and to add shame and guilt for something that was very much not my fault. And as a result of that, I had a really hard time connecting to Heavenly Father or strengthening my relationship to Him. And killing my relationship with God the Father didn't come until after I started developing a relationship with God the Mother. She hadn't been used to harm me the same way that God the Father has. and And I know that wasn't what God the Father would have wished. It was actions of human beings. But that still harmed my relationship with Him. And once I was able to establish a relationship with God the Mother, she kind of became a bridge back to God the Father, and now I feel like I have a really good relationship with both my heavenly parents, but I don't know if I would have been able to have a relationship again with God the Father that is the way it is right now, or build as quickly, or like been able to return to, to my relationship with God the Father as quickly without God the Mother.
0: Um, Cass, I mean, Charlotte, on behalf of all of us, thanks for having the courage to talk about your own sexual assault that happened on your mission when you're out serving Heavenly Father, God the Father, and just the complex trauma that created in your life. Um, Can I ask a couple questions if you're okay? You mentioned that some of the men in your life didn't minister very well, or maybe even added to your burdens. Do you, you share with what in the spirit of helping us do better, will you share a little bit about that?
1: Um, yeah.
0: Or, or like what we could, or just general advice on what we can do to help people that are victims or survivors of sexual assaults.
1: Uh uh-huh. Yeah. So I I can share it a little bit. It's something that is still difficult for me to talk about, and so I probably won't share a lot. But That's I fine. Am, I'm will share a little bit. Yeah, so part of it, one of the things that really hurt was that my mission leaders, um, they knew that this person had sexually assaulted me, and they asked me to invite him to church and to focus on being a really good missionary for him, basically like learn to convert type of thing. So when they said things like, oh, just to convert, they were kind of, they were saying something that came across to me as something like the pain and the trauma, his choices cause you don't matter. The only thing that matters to us and to God is getting this man to church every week. Like his church attendance matters more to us and to God than your pain does. And I think that like, I'm not responsible to bring the person who's actually faulted me back to church. Um,
0: Yeah. Excellent, Charlotte, and um, thanks for having the courage just to share a little bit more there. Um, we have a podcast that's, I believe will be released before this one with Cassidy Jensen. Um, if our listeners want to hear more about someone that's—she um, calls herself a victim of a sexual assault. She happened while she was a BYU law student, and she lost trust in God. Um, she felt like this male God— um, did not protect her in in the time of her greatest need, and she has had to work through the complicated relationship. and Is in a really good spot, um, but I love what you said, Charlotte. Um, that you connected first with you know heavenly mother. Um, the fe- I I think you used the term heavenly mother. Yeah. Um, because she didn't fail you, and there's not a trust issue with her and what the horrible trauma that occurred to you. And that then was a way to re, kind of reheal and reconnect you back with Heavenly Father. And a little, yeah. several light bulbs bridge just away, went away,
1: a bridge back to Heavenly Father. Yeah. And
0: lots of light bulbs just went off in my mind about how healing, you know, how how healing that connection is to have somebody there that, fully understands your difficult road. And I also recognize, yeah, priority number one should be to address your trauma. And mm-hmm. and I love the way you talked about how we can do better to address the brutal trauma you experienced in an area where you're just giving everything to the Lord and to help. And that, that's priority number one. So thank you for sharing a little bit about that. Kayla.
2: If I can add one of the things that <clears throat> I've really learned from Charlotte's experience and from my own experience, a lot of times when we talk about these divine beings, the, the concern is, well, are we focusing too much on Heavenly Mother? Are we taking away from the Father? And I think that's such a mortal projection onto God. Our Heavenly Parents, our Savior, the Holy Ghost, they're all on the same team. Their goal is to bring us closer to them. And I know, I have a conviction that Heavenly Father is thrilled if Heavenly Mother is helping us draw closer to them. Just as parents are happy if one is helping bring a child closer, or other relatives are assisting, we're not in competition. Deity are not debating one another over who's the more important one. They're working together, and that's what we see in Charlotte's example, and that's what we can see in our doctrine. Love that. Yeah,
1: and and I think I think it's also very much like our, at least like my earthly relationship with our parents. Sometimes I want to talk to one of my parents or ask them for advice. And sometimes I really want to talk to the other parent. And it doesn't diminish the relationship I have with the other one parent or the other. It's just I need each of them at different times in my life. Love that. And I think it's the same way with Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. We need both of them. Sometimes we might, might need extra need heavenly father and sometimes we might extra need heavenly mother, but it's okay. They understand. They're just really happy that we're willing to reach out and connect with them and they're happy to help however they can.
0: More comments on this segment. Number two, why does heavenly mother matter? Let's hear from Emily.
3: Heavenly mother has helped me realize more about who I am as a person and um, On my mission, I had a lot of painful experiences where I felt that my pain didn't really matter or that um, it wasn't worth seeing. And that was painful for me. But once I got home and started researching Heavenly Mother, I felt very validated about my experiences. Um, Especially, I felt on my mission, I felt that I was forgotten. And connecting with Heavenly Mother, I felt that she in our culture is often looked over and forgotten. And just because of that doesn't mean she's not like any less powerful or any less worthy. She's still whole and glorified. And that really helped me to see myself as a whole person. That even though my experiences were looked over, that she understood me and validated me. And I think that's something she can do for everyone is be someone who empathizes and knows what it's like to be forgotten or looked over or ignored.
0: Thank you. Thanks for both of you being pretty vulnerable with just, I love that your honesty with difficult situations where you needed to connect with Heavenly Mother to find hope and healing. Any more on this second segment? Why does Heavenly Mother matter?
2: I think one thing I'm always dying to say is think about earthly mothers, not just the ones you may literally have biologically. Um, Adoptive mothers, Uh, mentoring mothers, individuals in your life that serve that role for you, you'd never think of forgetting them. You'd never think that the way to honor them was to ignore them or not talk about them. The idea that Heavenly Mother is too sacred or too weak to talk about just doesn't gel with what we know about the nature of God and the way that family relationships and friend relationships are supposed to work. So for us, she matters because she's our mother. And she always will.
0: I recognize, I love that, and I recognize culturally, and I love the way you set this podcast up with doctrine versus culture in that first segment. And culturally, I'm just aware of comments at times to that a point, Kayla, is that we respect Heavenly Mother so much that we shouldn't talk about her, we shouldn't mention her name. And I, I love what you just said. Um, why would we shield somebody like that? Um, if I'm using the right language. And I love what you said. It just resonates with my soul and my understanding of co-equal heavenly parents. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to the third segment now. Um, You started a project called Seeking Heavenly Mother, and we referenced the website. Um, Love what you're doing, and I've seen that on social media. Can you talk about what the project is? We're going to start with Emily.
3: Yeah, so... When I started first seeking Heavenly Mother, um, it was a lonely journey. Um, I didn't know who I could talk about it with. I still, yeah, it was just kind of a lonely journey. And I wanted to create a place where people could feel like they had a community where they could talk about Heavenly Mother and share just their creations or their thoughts or just have resources where Heavenly Mother could be found and people felt like they could talk about her. And um, that's when I contacted Kayla. And yeah, just having that community was so important to me. And it really changed the dynamic of my search for Heavenly Mother.
2: I was thrilled when when Emily reached out to me and, and had this idea. And when it first started, the initial idea was, here you have young women between the ages of 15 and 25 who are making all of these life choices. And all three of us had experiences on our mission where we were with a lot of young women, other young women obviously serving missions as well. And we were noticing this sort of void of, am I empowered? Can I do this? Am I capable? What's my divine destiny? This sort of hole, if you will. And it made us feel like this demographic is missing Heavenly Mother. And so Emily approached me and said, how can we reach out to this group of women? And then as I started into it with Emily, we realized it's not just 15 to 25-year-old women that need this. There's members of the LGBTQ community that need this. There's members of um, different demographics that need this. There's men that need this. There are all sorts of people who need Heavenly Mother and who are drawn to know more about her. And so we started compiling resources one of the things that's so striking to me is every time I've Googled Heavenly Mother LDS or LDS belief in Heavenly Mother, I get different search results. I get blog posts, I get podcasts. And so we kept saying, why are these things spread all over the internet? How am I supposed to have a meditative experience if I'm having to continually Google to learn what people have said about her? This church leader said this, that one said that. And so we created the website as a gathering place, as a home for art, for music, for essays and experiences, as well as for research. So our, our website serves as sort of a catch-all where you can go through the resources yourself and using your own personal revelation can discover what's true for you. Obviously, some things on there are scholarly. You may not agree with everything. You may agree with everything, but we leave that up to you to decide. And for me personally, research is a form of worship. By wanting to learn more about God, be it the Father, be it my mother, be it my Savior, the Holy Ghost, whoever it may be, that's my way of drawing closer to them. That's how I connect with deity. And so researching Heavenly Mother and seeing what church leaders have said about her and what um, scholars have said about her has helped me gain a concept of her, to know her not as just an idea or a doctrine, but an actual divine being. And it's helped me to draw closer to her. There's also a number of books that have been published on Heavenly Mother. Uh, Rachel Hunt Steenblank has published poetry. There's also a book called Dove Song, which kind of reviews the history of Mormon poetry about Heavenly Mother. And then there's also a new book called A Girl's Guide to Heavenly Mother, put together by MacArthur Krishna and Bethany Brady Spaulding, where they put it out in a guidebook format, all the different doctrines we have about Heavenly Mother with corresponding quotes. And as I've perused these different resources and seen the different artwork, I have felt a connection to deity that has changed my life for the better.
0: Love that. What a great idea. I didn't think about of having a few light bulbs go off about the dispersed nature of all the content, and when you went through the Google search engines and seeing all this stuff spread out, what a great idea to bring it together! Under I love the website name, Seeking Heavenly Mother. dot com. That just seems like you've been guided by heavenly parents to do this, and it brings honor to Heavenly Mother.
2: Well, we certainly have felt guided. And I felt guided when, as Emily and I were starting the project, I ran across Charlotte, who was actually doing research at the time on cultural beliefs that LDS people have about Heavenly Mother. and she was asking people to do interviews. And so I agreed to do an interview with Charlotte, and I can testify that was that was God God led opportunity because, um, after meeting Charlotte, she really became the backbone of this project, helping us to actually put it out there as a website, as, a, as something that people could approach and, and ponder and study. And so Charlotte really has helped bring the dream that Emily had to life, and we're so grateful for her.
3: Yeah, this wouldn't exist without Charlotte. This is true. We're so grateful. <laughs>
2: what
0: a great team.
1: Also, definitely would not exist without Emily having the idea to begin with. So Emily's got to take some credit, and also Kayla connected us all.
0: So, I am the glue. <laughs> <laughs> what a great team! Anybody else want to share more about you oh. know this project? Go ahead, Charlotte.
1: Yeah. So, like Kayla said, we connected when I was doing some research about folklore, or like the how members practice belief in Heavenly Mother, or uh, another. that falls into the folklore category is material creations that that reflect belief. So I really wanted to include a part in this project where we had some sort of digital repository for material creations that reflect belief in Heavenly Mother. So we have a huge um, section of creations. We have artwork. We have poetry. We have essays. We have some music. Um, all that reflect belief on Heavenly Mother that portrayed her, that question, like, what would it be like to talk with her? Um, What would it be like to be able to love as she does? What would it be like to be able to see my body the way she sees my body? And the creativity seems like a really powerful way for us to connect with Heavenly Mother because we know she is inherently creative, like together she and Heavenly Father planned the earth. Um, We are all creations of our Heavenly Parents. Um, And so when we create or when we participate in viewing uh, the creations of others, we can imitate Heavenly Mother and connect to her that way. So one of the other ways that I really enjoy connecting with Heavenly Mother is through Midrash, and I don't know if you've heard of Midrash
0: before. I have not.
1: Okay, so Midrash is something I learned about while I was reading Inspired by Rachel Held Evans, and it's a Jewish tradition that's fairly similar to our practice of likening scriptures to ourselves. So through midrash, Jewish readers creatively retell scripture stories in ways that allow them to learn more about themselves and about God. So midrash helps them interpret the text, but also what's behind and beyond the text and between the lines of the text. So when sometimes I choose to write midrash, And that's like a creative retelling of scriptural stories. So like I've written Midrash about the Garden of Eden. Like what would it be like if we retold the Garden of Eden story with Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother in the Garden of Eden, teaching Adam and Eve, helping them prepare to leave and go out into the world. And I found that to be a really powerful way to learn about Heavenly Mother and also about myself and how I am like her.
0: Wow, I love that. Emily?
1: Um,
3: Yeah, also another way I really love to connect with Heavenly Mother is through meditation and dance. Um, I think one thing that really helps me to connect to Heavenly Mother is through dance, I took a dance class at BYU, and there was a moment where I felt very connected to Heavenly Mother through dancing, um, and it was very much tied to community. Like I felt very connected with the other woman I was dancing with, and I think that was another major point in me wanting to Create a community is just feeling, just feeling community with other women, um, dancing together, and that really made me want to have this community with other women and everyone, uh, can, trying to connect
2: with Henley Mother.
0: I love that, and I love the connection that creates. Kayla,
2: actually, an interesting point Emily was mentioning. Along with dance, obviously meditation similarly can help us feel connected to the divine. And in my studies this last week, I ran across a quote by President David O. McKay, which was, um, we pay too little attention to the value of meditation, a principle of devotion. Meditation is the language of the soul. I thought that was so cool. And that's one of the ways that we connect to Heavenly Mother is through meditation, through pondering, through quiet moments of peace and consideration, I've really come to understand that there are a diversity of ways that we can connect with her. And I invite anyone who's listening to this to explore your own methods of spiritual connection to discover what works best for you and how to explore that relationship with deity.
0: I love that. Other thoughts on this project you've started, seeking Heavenly Mother, that anybody wants to share.
2: I will say that one of the greatest blessings has been working with Charlotte and Emily and the other members of our team. Um, obviously, we are the founders, but we've since had other people join with us and and work with us, write for us, um, share work with us, and being a part of this community. The best way that I've helped felt Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father's love is by feeling the love they have for these people. Working with other people in efforts to seek them helps you see people the way they do. And feeling the love that they have for their children, feeling Heavenly Mother's desire to be known by her children and to feel that I can be, um, quote unquote, a missionary, if you will, of sorts, (laughs) not officially called, but certainly in my heart, that has shown me the love of God in entirely new and transformative ways.
0: Talk about, are you getting any criticism from the church in general? Sometimes when people talk about these sensitive subjects like I do with LGBTQ and you are with Heavenly Mother, some active Latter-day Saints culturally um, feel like that's something we shouldn't be doing. Have you had any negative feedback or and, and or have you had just support?
2: We anchor everything we do in church doctrine. Obviously, there are resources on our website that are not from the church that are scholarly, but we leave those there not to detract from the church, but simply to allow for exploration, if you will, so people can be fully aware of everything out there. But everything we publish on social media, we always have a a church leader quote in mind so that if someone were to message us and say, is this doctrinal? Is this okay? We can say, yes, here's a quote from, you know, Sister Bingham or... President David O. McKay or Gordon B. Hinckley or someone that can back us up so that they know we're on the right track. And we want to be on the right track. We want to help people in their religious journey uh, to draw closer to Christ. And we think that seeking Heavenly Mother is a great way to draw closer to Christ and to draw closer to Heavenly Father. Anytime you're drawing closer to any member of the Heavenly Family, you're drawing closer to to all of them. And so we are very cognizant of that. We support the church. We certainly are not here to replace or alter or any anything of that nature, any doctrines that exist. We are here to support them and share them because the church has the doctrine. We're just here to help the culture receive that doctrine and embrace it.
0: Great answer. And I love your perspective of where you have a church quote, the church doctrine, but then you bring stories and academic articles and Sort of a full suite of understanding. I recognize learning and knowledge comes through lots of different avenues, and the way I love the way you're bringing them there, and I love your point that this is all to bring us unto, to help us bring us unto Christ and be a better person and navigate our lives. Um, talk if I don't know if you mentioned LGBTQ, and as our listeners know, we do a lot of podcasts. Have you had any stories on the side, or any of your LGBTQ friends, sort of talk about? the role of heavenly mother and how that's helped them navigate navigate their life as an lgbtq person
2: i can personally say that uh, i've had i have a very close friend of mine who i met when i was living abroad a few years ago who follows our project very closely and i remember when i was speaking to him about it he said i just love heavenly mother And I obviously cannot speak for the LGBT community. I think I shouldn't attempt to. They have wonderful voices and we should hear them. And I obviously, one LGBTQ plus person doesn't speak for all of them either. Everyone has an individual voice and we should hear all of their voices. I will say anecdotally that what he told me was feeling the love from yet another person was strengthening to him. I think so many LGBTQ plus people face such uncalled for rejection, and such uncalled for pain that they do not deserve. And to have yet another person, a divine being who loves them, who supports them, who is there for them. That's so helpful. And obviously, our goal is to be as inclusive as possible with this project so that they can feel they have a home here.
0: That was beautiful. You just healed a bunch of hearts with what you just shared there and opened up possibilities to people listening they've never considered um, to find hope and healing. Um, I'm going to go to segment four. Um, what is the potential impact on our community with more discussion of Heavenly Mother?
2: Well, as I as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I am majoring in sociology and I especially love sociology of religion. I love seeing how it impacts our human relationships. And I actually wanna briefly share one of my inspirations for the project, which came from an article, not from a member of our church, but a man by the name of Andrew Whitehead. And he is a professor at Clemson University. And he published an article in the early, um, around 2011, 2012, called Gender Ideology and Religion, Does a Masculine Image of God Matter? And he found in his research, just talking to general Christians, those who conceptualized God as solely male tended to have more limited views on women in leadership, equality in the home, the relationship between men and women. There's certainly many people who have a masculine view of God that don't carry those. Um, more traditional views, so I'm not trying to speak for anyone, but there is a sociological trend here where by considering Heavenly Mother, we open up possibilities for how we view our fellow members of the human family. It opens up potential for divine nature, for equality, not just as an earthly idea, but a divinely instituted doctrine. And that totally elevates all of our efforts to improve our culture to be more empowering for everyone. And so in order to seize that sociological impact and to capitalize on the opportunity we have to um, empower everyone, Heavenly Mother becomes central to that effort.
0: Love that. Other thoughts? I, at, at Charlotte, you're I, up.
1: Much, so I really like what Kayla said and agree with it. I am very much hope that this helps us uh, seek for greater equality in the world around us um, as we learn and talk more about Heavenly Mother. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about the creativity aspect. Um, so we have lots of artwork hanging up in our church buildings or in enzymes and things like that that has portrays Jesus Christ and we also have some that portrays Heavenly Father too, like for example, we have paintings of the first vision that shows Jesus and Heavenly Father appearing to Joseph Smith. And by and large, the artwork that we use within the church portrays God the Father and Jesus as white males. And that's fine and good, but the world does not consist only of white males. There's a lot more diversity on Earth than just white males. So by talking, by writing poetry and essays and midrash, by painting pictures of Heavenly Mother, and we can expand who we see as divine. So, um, and then that helps us see divinity in everyone because we have representations of divinity, of Heavenly Mother that reflect the diversity of the world around us. So there are a bunch of contemporary artists who are painting pictures of Heavenly Mother that show her as Black, as Asian, as Polynesian, as mixed race, um, as Native American or indigenous peoples. And a few of those artists are Harmonia Rosales Paige Payne, Rachel Thompson, uh, The Color Amber, and Emily Puck Lewis. And I think creating art and discussions and poetry and that portrays Heavenly Mother in many different ways because we don't have a we don't have a cultural assumption of what she looks like so by creating all this artwork that models or reflects the diversity of people on earth and depictions of Heavenly Mother we can help Uh, we are making it much easier to recognize divinity in everyone, no matter race, class, sexuality, gender, ability or disability. So I'm hoping that when, as we see more artwork that reflects all these different differences and demographics, I hope that it will help us see divinity in everyone around us and motivate us as a people to work on creating equality in all aspects of life because we recognize and confidently remember that divinity is contained within each and every one of us.
0: Oh, I love that.
3: Yeah. And to go along with Charlotte's point, which was absolutely beautiful, I think seeing equality and like seeing divinity in everyone can really impact society in a way that we all empathize with each other. Um, I think talking more about Heavenly Mother creates more empathy. We see the goodness in each other, and we're more willing to see each other's pains and are willing to bear the hard things in life with everyone. And I think just general understanding, um, even if we have different life experiences, we are all still connected to this heavenly family and we are all equal and we can all share that love.
2: And that doesn't mean we don't have unanswered questions. There are so many, there are so many elements of our heavenly parents, even the father as well, that we don't know about, that we're still trying to understand. But I think seeking Heavenly Mother allows you to begin addressing those questions in a way that builds your faith journey, in a way that builds your conception of who you are and who you can become. And so for us, it's just giving hope and feeling that hope in our own lives.
0: It's a really interesting point. Um, I've never thought about another light bulb (laughs) of just the role of Heavenly Mother to then decrease the amount of marginalization and increase the amount of empathy. Um, that's very helpful because uh, I, I think a lot of Latter-day Saints want to see us culturally and as a church and as a society develop more of those skills and recognize those that are most marginalized and reach out and help them feel our love and inclusion. And the role of Heavenly Mother and co Heavenly Parents and the perspective that gives us. And I love the artwork that you talked about, Charlotte, my wife, who has taught um, the gospel topic essay about Heavenly Mother to the young women as a young women's teacher in our ward and is very sensitive. to The subject recently brought home a book and it had um, I've forgotten the author, but maybe you know, and it had lots of these different pictures of t- different depictions of Heavenly Mother. The That's way a girl's
2: talk- guide to Heavenly Mother by mm-hmm. MacArthur Krishna and Bethany Brady Spaulding. And yes. it's
0: pretty new, isn't it?
2: They worked with 27 different artists to create the book and they are now working on a boy's guide to heavenly mother that should be coming out at the end of this year. If you're interested in buying the book, it's available through D Street Press and you can find the link on our website and in the link in in our Instagram bio as well.
0: Yeah, my wife bought several of those books already, so I'm glad you've told people it's a beautiful book and the artwork is just Tell us about, give us a teaser on this boy's guide.
2: Yeah, so it's actually an interesting story. I've spoken with MacArthur and Bethany recently about the motivation behind it. When it started out, MacArthur and Bethany are both the mothers of daughters, and their daughters were asking them questions, "'Mommy, where are the girls?' And so they started off with their Girls Who Choose God book series, which depicts women from the scriptures, and then moved into this girl's guide to Heavenly Mother. However, they had a mother of boys that wrote them and said, where are my sons supposed to learn about Heavenly Mother? And you're, you're marketing it specifically to girls. Where's the boy's guide? And they realized, you know what? You're right. Boys need Heavenly Mother too. And so while the Girl's Guide to Heavenly Mother focuses on recognizing the equality of your standing as a woman, which sometimes with a lot of male imagery can be difficult. The boy's guide is geared around recognizing that equality in others, when a lot of the visualization is already male, recognizing that that needs to be expanded in a way that's empowering to boys so that they can see that divinity in themselves as well. So it's going to be absolutely fantastic. They're working with Martin Polito on The Boy's Guide, and he was one of the co-researchers on the 2011 BYU Studies article, Reviewing Church Statements. And these books will both be heavily laden with quotes by different church leaders to keep it in line with church doctrine.
0: Well, I'm really touched about what you just said about Boy's Guide and the role of Heavenly Mother to help a boy be a better man and a better disciple of Christ. And of course, light bulbs. Of course, as a father of four sons, I would love to have had that book available. We have two sons, we have four sons and two daughters. And I think there's a natural inclination for men like me perhaps think, well, this Heavenly Mother thing is kind of a women's thing in the church. So I'll kind of connect my daughters with Heavenly Mother and I'm going to keep doing my own thing as a guy in the church. But what you just said is so important for men and boys, because this is part of my spiritual journey as a man to better come into Christ and to develop better attributes that help make me a better disciple of Christ. And I need... Um, the example of earthly women and my heavenly mother in my life and the things that they can teach me to help me become the man I need to be. And two
2: follow-up points on that. We'd never tell a girl you don't need heavenly father. I mean, so we don't, we don't tell our missionaries now only teach the male investigators about heavenly father. No, of course not. We all need heavenly father and we all need heavenly mother. I encourage everyone to not be limited by the boys or girls on the books. My husband loves the girl's guide to heavenly mother. Uh, We can all benefit from both of them.
0: Love that. Thank you. Um, Maybe each of you could share some more of your feelings or even your testimony about Heavenly Mother. Let's um, do Emily first, then Charlotte, and then Kayla.
3: Yeah, so Heavenly Mother has been a really big part of my life the last couple years, and in a lot of ways, um, she's been someone that has helped me through just life experiences, as I mentioned before. Feeling validated, Um, she is someone for me who helps me to see the worth in myself and the worth in all of God's children. And coming to know her more has increased empathy for the marginalized and for the forgotten, and and has helped me even have empathy for myself and have patience with myself. And so she really has taught me how to love and to really better fulfill the First Commandments, to love God and to love my neighbor and to love myself. And that has been really beneficial for me.
0: Thank you, Emily. Charlotte, you're up.
1: Okay. So for me, it's really important to just, Remember that I'm a child of Heavenly Mother because of what that means. It means that she offers me unconditional love and understanding, a place to cry, rage, question, anything and everything, or rejoice without judgment. She laughs with me, she celebrates my successes, and cheers me on as I try to accomplish hard things. As her child, I'm welcomed and with open arms just the way I am. And I suppose that that's the same way. That she's that same way for all of her children. She's just waiting for you to seek her and in any way that fits your desires, needs, and strengths. And if you do seek her, you'll learn more about both her and yourself.
0: Thank you. Kayla.
2: Um, shortly after President Gene B. Bingham became General President of the Relief Society, she gave a talk at a women's conference called How Vast Is Our Purpose? And in the talk, she poses a question to the audience. She says, do you think our heavenly parents want us to succeed? Yes, they want us to succeed gloriously. And do you think they will help us? Absolutely. I have come to know that my heavenly parents want me to succeed. They want me to become the absolute best I can be. And they want that for all of their children. Coming to know them, as Joseph Smith taught, helps me come to know myself. He taught that the more we know the character of God, the more we could know our own. And I really believe that to be true. As I have come to know Heavenly Mother, I have been expanded both directly by my heavenly parents and indirectly by the people I've worked with and the things that I've learned. And I've come to understand more fully what it is that my potential may be. I would invite anyone listening to this to get to know your heavenly parents. They love you. They want to embrace you. They admire you for your strength and they are here to comfort you in your weakness Seeking Heavenly Mother has been a crucial part of my own spiritual journey as I've come to know myself and the truths that God wants me to uncover. And I am so grateful to Charlotte, to Emily, to all of the artists and collaborators that have worked with us and to everyone who is seeking her for being a part of this journey.
0: Thank you. In this last segment, what can we do?
3: I think one thing... um is just the way we talk and our rhetoric in church and in our general discussions. Um, I think often when we refer to God, we exclusively say Heavenly Father. And I think it would be beneficial if we started saying Heavenly Parents or even better mention Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father. Um, So I think that's just really important, like even in testimony meetings or just general comments, when we say... God, not just refer to Heavenly Father, but refer to them both because they are equal and they deserve the same amount of respect and honoration.
0: Love that. And Sister Bingham did that in that quote you just shared with us. So, what you're teaching and suggesting is being modeled by our leaders.
2: It was even in President Nelson's Mother's Day wish to all of our Heavenly Parents' adult daughters. So
0: President Nelson's
2: doing it too. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Uh Other thoughts on what we can do? Charlotte, do you have some thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'd like to invite
1: all of the listeners to find your own way to seek Heavenly Mother. So your relationship with Heavenly Mother is a very personal thing, and the ways that you connect with her might be different than how I connect with her through creativity or how Kayla connects to her through research or how Emily connects to, has connected to Heavenly Mother through dance. But because this is so personal, uh, you can kind of choose whatever works for you and Heavenly Mother. It's between the two of you. So I'll throw out some ideas, but you don't have to use any or all of them, but just think about them, see if any of them catch your attention or if you think of anything else while else. So I'm throwing out ideas. So you could create or view art, read scholarship, liken scriptures to Heavenly Mother, read or write poetry, meditate, move your body, spend time in nature, learn to create in a new way, journal, write midrash, talk with a friend, or dance. So I invite you to choose one of these ways or something else that came to your mind. And to speak Heavenly Mother by doing this sometime this week.
0: Love that, Charlotte. Kayla, anything else to add on this segment?
2: Absolutely. I would invite you to seek, ask questions, give yourself permission to explore the longings of your heart. I'd like to actually share a quote by President Nelson that he gave in his April 2018 talk that has inspired me in this project. He says, what will your seeking open for you? What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. For the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth life eternal. We have the prophet's promise that if we seek divine truth, we will receive it. Knowing Heavenly Mother absolutely fits the category of that which bringeth joy and which bringeth life eternal. We invite you to join us in our journey on social media at at Seeking Heavenly Mother and on our website at SeekingHeavenlyMother.com. Ask questions, share writing and experiences and art. You're welcome to message us if there's something particularly on your mind. We'd love to hear from you and never give up. This is a church that was born out of questions, and questions keep the restoration going. We testify to this. Questions have led us to our mother, and they will help you find her too.
0: I'm deeply touched. I have a couple just spontaneous questions that have come to my mind. Um, Is Heavenly Mother unique to our theology?
2: This is a complex question. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few other churches that believe in Heavenly Mother. When we started this project, I started following the hashtag Heavenly Mother on Instagram, and it has brought me into contact with other religions that similarly use the hashtag Heavenly Mother. I don't know a lot about them. I certainly would not speak for them, but they do exist. Generally speaking, Heavenly Mother is a unique Belief within the Christian world, not unprecedented but unique. There are other faiths that have concepts of feminine deities and the divine feminine, and there's certainly a lot of research being done right now on the archaeological evidence that suggests belief in Heavenly Mother occurred in ancient times amongst the foremothers and forefathers of many of the world's religions today. So it's not an open and shut case, but it certainly is a cherished and distinctive belief, as the church essay says.
0: And, you know, some of our listeners are kind of barely hanging in there sometimes with our church. And um, I sometimes um, point them to unique doctrines of our church that came through the restoration, the plan of salvation, personal relationship with heavenly parents. And for me, Heavenly Mother, um, and the work you're doing to help us understand more of that personal relationship we can have with our heavenly parents does help me in the things you're teaching just to recognize the unique doctrine that was restored through the Restoration, and to your point, continues to be restored. Um, here's another question. The word feminist is a word, I'm 60, and so my generation, that's a word that generates some, some tr- emotion and some triggers um, that if someone takes that label on as an active Latter-day Saint, that seems like something they shouldn't be doing. Um, And I recognize many of our active Latter-day Saints, men and women, and I are taking on that label, and it is a label that's consistent with fully believing in the church. Can you Does anybody just want to address that and help our listeners to just maybe have some different feelings about that label for those that choose to take that on?
2: Well, I certainly want to hear Charlotte and Emily's thoughts on this. But before we go any further, I want to recommend the BYU Studies article, Feminism in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Beautiful article, good starting point if feminism is new for you. I also want to say that I think sometimes people who aren't ready or aren't willing or aren't comfortable taking on the label feminist worry if seeking heavenly mother would force them to do that because obviously many feminists love heavenly mother. That's not true. If you're not ready or don't want to be identified as a feminist, you can absolutely still seek and talk about heavenly mother. That's totally fine. Heavenly mother is for everyone, a feminist and non-feminist alike. That being said, Feminism is a huge umbrella term, similar to saying, I'm an American, I could be from California or New York, totally different experience, Arkansas or Indiana, still all one country. Likewise, feminism is as broad as a nation. It's got so many different tenets and ideas, but ultimately it centers on the idea that all human beings are equal with a consideration to the fact that historically women have faced certain levels of oppression due to their gender. So I think that that's important to remember when we're discussing feminism. Identifying as a feminist and identifying as a Latter-day Saint may have certain cultural baggage, but doctrinally it can fit beautifully and perfectly.
0: Other Uh, thoughts, Charlotte, go ahead.
1: I'm working on an essay right now called "Why Being a Feminist Helps Me Keep My Baptismal Covenant." So, personally, I think feminism and the church, or being a member of the church, can definitely go hand in hand. Um, And like like Kayla said, there's feminism is a very prevalent the word Mormon has in media usage and popular imagination. So, like Mormon. can be used to refer to a whole bunch of churches and branches as people who read the Book of Mormon. And similarly, feminism can be used to describe a whole bunch of different people with different beliefs. So that can cause confusion when you, if you just assume that everyone who's a feminist believes the same thing. So personally, um, I am very interested in intersectional third wave feminism which recognizes that, um, so it focuses on systemic, societal injustice wherever it is found, including at intersections of identity or privilege, and includes marginalized groups, including gender, but also including ethnic minorities and discrimination based on sexual orientation or class. And I embrace feminism because it gives me a framework to recognize opportunities to Remember my baptismal covenants um, from Mosiah uh, about how about bearing one another's burdens, mourning with those who mourn, comforting those who stand in need of comfort, as well as discussing social injustice and learning to minister and learn from marginalized groups. So, through feminism, um, I feel like I am better able to take upon myself the name of Christ and reflect his actions, which was to talk with and serve the marginalized and cast out, um, to reflect those actions in my own life.
0: Love that. Emily, do you have some thoughts on this?
1: Um, Kayla and Charlotte
3: said it beautifully, but I think for me, feminism is, for me, equality. I'm not saying for everyone's experience, but that has been mine. And I think just that equality is just such a big part of the goal of the church Um, and when I think about Zion, I think about equality of everyone globally, um, in and outside the church, um, just all being equal, all being one. And that is what feminism has come to mean for me.
0: I love that. And, um, I was on Twitter one day with this word and I, I developed a hypothesis that I thought the men, this is sort of interacting with BYU students, the male students at BYU that took on the word feminism were less judged than the women that took on the label feminism, because feminism sort of created a stereotype of what type of a woman that was. And for a man to take that on, there was less sort of judgment. And I don't know if that's true or not. But I just thought, I hope we're not adding to the burden of women that take on that name, that we create a stereotype that is a stereotype that's not a healthy, that's not an accurate stereotype. And so I think we need to be very thoughtful about that word and, and listen to women and, and hear what their thoughts about that. Because I recognize, just like with LGBTQ, I've had to deprogram myself about the word feminism and listen to um People like on our podcast today to understand better about that word. So thank you. Um, I listened to a talk once that my wife sent me from Sharon Eubank, and she was, and it was very helpful for me. It's a few years old, and she was talking about um, um, some of the cultural work we need to do. And one of the examples she said, when we go on missions, and all three of you have served missions, we have the mission president and his wife. <laughs> And she talked about how those assignments are kind of co-equals, but we don't have vocabulary um, to recognize the co-equal nature of her calling. And then she transitioned to a temple president is, and his companion. She actually has a title, a matron. Um, and I, I'd have probably asked staff women to feel if that feels like an equal co-title, a temple president and a matron. But her point was, at least it's a title, And it creates a feeling of equality within that demanding assignment for both of them. So any just thoughts on that? Because it was kind of helpful for me just to realize you're right. I look at a mission presidents and just recognize the co-equal nature and compatibility and need for both of those people to serve and lead the missionaries. And we don't have vocabulary to sort of describe her role.
2: And I think that's one of the motivations that we have for our Heavenly Mother Project is until we recognize the root equality of this entire eternal plan, sometimes those titles can feel trivial when we're advocating for change. When you recognize that we're trying to constantly follow this pattern of gender equality set by our heavenly parents, suddenly equality in a temple presidency and a mission presidency no longer feels like something that we should just do to make us feel better, which alone is valid, but also, something we should do to support eternal doctrines. And there are a lot of different views on this. There are a lot of good people that have done work. I know um, the book, Women at Church by Nayland McBain, yeah. is an excellent foray if you'd like to read more about a faithful approach to advocating for change that's in line with the handbook. Uh, and obviously, we three all have different views on this, but at the core, at the end of the day, it's all about bringing our culture in line with our doctrine, which is that all human beings are created in the image of God.
0: What a great, high-level, thoughtful answer, um, and I, think I love I that.
1: could add to that. That was said beautifully, Kayla.
2: Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah, that was perfect. Thank
0: you, Emily. <laughs> um I'd like to share an experience I had that I'm not sure I've ever shared publicly. And as a singles ward bishop, um, when i meet with the YSAs, I'd often end our visit with, you, with a open-ended question, would you like a blessing or not? And about half the time, the YSA would ask for a blessing. And in one situation, there was a dear sister who, was, through no fault of her home, was in a really, really tough spot. And I don't know how many blessings I've given, you know, in my life. But in that blessing, I felt Heavenly Mother wanted to talk directly to her daughter. And I spoke for Heavenly Mother, and I have never had that impression before, and I've never had that impression since. And I'm not advocating that that's a, a new thing that people giving blessings should do, but there was no question in my mind that that Heavenly Mother wanted to talk to her daughter in that critical moment in her daughter's life. And that was pure, um, I was just a conduit to communicate the words that Heavenly Mother wanted to communicate to her daughter. And after I finished that blessing, just stunned, I asked, I obviously asked how sort of open-ended, how'd you feel about that blessing? And this dear sister said, I love Heavenly Mother. She helped me through my mission. She's helped me where no one else has helped me. So it was absolutely not a surprise to her that she got a blessing from Heavenly Mother. Now, I just share that as a very tender personal experience of something that I just felt and felt impressed to share with our listeners on this podcast. Um. Let me just look through my notes here to see if I have any other comments.
2: Just a thought I'd I'd like to add in response to what you just said. Part of recognizing doctrine, part of transforming culture to be more like Zion is giving ourselves new cultural narratives. And for so long, we've given ourselves this narrative of Heavenly Mother is too sacred to talk about, which is not supported by doctrine, by church leaders, by theology. It's time to eliminate that. But I'd like to propose an alternative cultural narrative. Wouldn't the adversary be thrilled to rob us of a mother's love? Wouldn't he be thrilled to justify the oppression of women under a false narrative wouldn't he be glad to have us waste our time avoiding seeking her rather than embracing her that's the cultural story i want to tell because the work of hiding a divine being and ignoring a deity sounds much more like the adversary than anything i know about god
0: wow You'll have a few people replaying that segment of the podcast, Kayla, to hear that again. That's beautiful. And when I think of the role of Satan, who I believe is real and wants to destroy us, I think sometimes we've, we don't understand some of the things that he might do to do that, and that's one of them.
2: He didn't want that girl to have healing. The girl that you helped, the woman that you helped, needed to hear from her Heavenly Mother, and while I haven't had that same experience, I have had experiences where people around me have said things that I believed were messages from my heavenly parents, sometimes from one specifically, sometimes from both of them. And imagine if those people had felt it wasn't okay to talk about her. And so it's it's definitely not our fault when we fall prey to cultural narratives. We all do. We're all human. That's okay. That's what we're here on earth to learn, to overcome. But it's something that each of us has the power to change. Each of us has the power to act and to pull back the curtains and embrace the beauty of this doctrine. And I'm excited to be a part of the journey.
0: To pull back the curtains and embrace the beauty of this doctrine. And even in that experience I saw with the priesthood blessing, I recognize that that's a man, me, sort of connecting Heavenly Mother with her daughter. But I think one of the things we're teaching on this podcast is... You can have that personal relationship. Um, a priesthood blessing, I want to be clear, that's not the only way it can come about. And the things you're teaching is all of us, men and women, can have that personal relationship with Heavenly Parents.
2: Absolutely. And I one of my favorite ways to do that is, of course, we follow the church policy of praying to Heavenly Father in the name of Christ. Ask Heavenly Father how He feels about Heavenly Mother. Next time you pray. Dear Heavenly Father, here was my day. Here's how I'm feeling. Just say, hey, Heavenly Father, how do you feel about Heavenly Mother? I promise you the experience has the power to change your day. It's really cool to feel how much he loves her and to feel the equal standing that she has with him.
0: Any other thoughts any of the three of you would like to share before we close?
2: I think we're good.
0: Charlotte, anything you'd like to share from Bentonville?
1: I don't think I have anything else that's like pressing on my mind right now.
2: Thank you. You're worthy. You're worth it. You matter. Our Heavenly Parents love you.
0: This has been a deeply moving podcast on behalf of all of our listeners. This is Richard Osler thanking Kayla Bach, Charlotte Schertz and Emily Peck for being on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.